I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 164 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, what an awesome week of celebrating fatherhood I have in store for you guys. We are going to kick things off today with a first-class father who played the fiddle with Kenny Chesney's band for 12 years. He is now the host of Nick's Wild Ride on the Outdoor Channel. Nick Hoffman will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. Tomorrow on the show, Matt Roloff, the star of Little People, Big World, will be here with me. He is just getting ready to launch a new season of the show and a new children's book as well, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Wednesday on the podcast, Vincent Rocco Vargas stops by. He is a combat veteran who served with the Army Special Forces. He is also a successful entrepreneur and actor as well. He stars in FX's popular series, The Mayans MC, and so much more. So that one's going to be another awesome one. And Friday, I have a fresh Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood to hit you guys with. Jeff Nichols is a First Class Father and former Navy SEAL. He will be our featured Frogman of the Week. All right, so let's go, dads. I know I promised a five-banger this week. I was scheduled to interview Dakota Meyer, the Marine hero and, of course, Medal of Honor winner, but that didn't work out. We had some scheduling changes, so we are trying to reconnect and reschedule the interview, and as soon as I have more on that, I will release the information to you, so follow me over on Instagram for the latest updates on that. And if you guys are like me, I try to limit the amount of times that I hand my daughter my iPhone or my iPad to keep her distracted while I'm really trying to focus on something else. Uh, but here is what my wife and I agreed on, and that is that if we're going to hand her, she's four, or my eight-year-old son a device to keep them quiet, it has to be something educational, at least an educational app or game that they play. And that can be difficult to find, a game that will uh, keep them occupied and entertain them and also teach them something valuable. But I found a great solution to this problem. I discovered an app called the Sir Dap Game Show. It is based on the principles of the golden rule. It's right up my alley. It asks questions about manners. It's beautifully illustrated. And my daughter loves it. But much more than that, it's teaching her some of the same lessons and values that I'm trying to instill in her. And I've gotten my eight-year-old involved to help her read some of the questions on it. And so the two of them will sit there and play it together. It's a great way for them to enjoy some technology together, learn some values, and it gives me a few minutes of peace and quiet when I need it. So uh, a fair exchange is no crime. Go check it out in the App Store, Sir Dap Game Show. All right, so I was excited to share that with you, and I am excited about this week's guest list. So let's jump right into the action now and talk some fatherhood. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. So let's get right to it here with First Class Father Nick Hoffman. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and joining me now is a First Class Father. He is a singer, songwriter, fiddle player, and TV personality. He is the host of Nick's Wild Ride on the Outdoor Channel. It is a big privilege for me to say Nick Hoffman. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I, I got to be honest with you. Uh, it, it feels a little bit strange to uh, even associate the words first class father with me. 
<laughs> I, I am I am definitely a father, and I'm trying my best, but I never feel like a first class, ever. Well, Nick, it is a first class title, and on this show, you are a first class father. So how many kids do you have, and how old are they? I have one daughter. Uh, she'll, she'll be nine on this coming Friday, and um, it's been uh, the, the the greatest adventure of my life. And it's, uh, you know, she's a, a miracle. I can tell you a little bit about, about her, the story later, but um you know it's a it's an it's a ride that i um always looked forward to but never experienced it i mean never expected it to be like it like like it has been it's been completely different than i thought it would be oh yeah well said what type of uh, sports or activities is she into she is a a really really interesting bird she's um intensely intelligent she's really smart really shy and uh has we've tried you know, different sports like, you know, soccer, we've tried um, swimming. She's a really good swimmer, but she's been very um, just in- intimidated by, by the, by the competition, by the groups. It's not that she's, she's so competitive that it, 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 it has kept her from enjoying it. Does that make sense? And so we certainly haven't allowed her to just quit or shy away from those things. So it's just been hard to find the thing that has resonated with her and um what what we found is that she's intensely uh independent and and so we we tried a sport that we thought would work well for her you know kind of her against the world and it was indoor archery like olympic style archery and and when she got into archery um it it just the whole thing kind of lit up for her because she was able to be really competitive with herself. She was able to be really competitive with other people, but it wasn't this direct head-to-head um, kind of thing, like a, like two people swimming next to each other kind of thing. And for whatever reason, that really worked for her. And I like it for her because um, it takes a lot of mental fortitude to go through uh, a round of archery and uh, and to keep your head in the game and that kind of stuff. And it's been really fun for her. So, She's a nine-year-old archer. Awesome, Nick. That is very unique. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's been neat to it's been neat to watch that development because you know you have an idea of who you think your kid is because of who you are. You know what I mean? And um, I think one of the most interesting things about my fatherhood journey is that it, in so many ways, my kid is like me, but in so many ways, I, I you know, she's nothing like me. You know what I mean? And and that has been this this really introspective journey for me um, to take aside my preconceived notions of who, who I thought my kid would be and really love and enjoy learning who they really are. Yeah, I've experienced this with my oldest son, Nick. He became interested in chess at a very early age, and that's something that I never played, didn't know anything about how to play it. And now it's something that my whole entire family really enjoys, and it's one of those things about fatherhood that I really love. Yeah, you know, I think that... And I look back at my at my life, you know, you, you echo, um, you know, they always say you kind of become your father or you become your mother, right? You know, and, and um, in a lot of ways, there are so many things about my father that I w- would be honored to emulate. And there are definitely some things that I definitely would like not to emulate, you know what I mean? And, and so my goal has been to... Um, you know, try, try and do that. Try and pick the things that I felt really made me stronger and, and, and try
try and do them with Lexi. And one of the things that that I have done with her is to try and just find the things that that make her passionate and and go for them. So we've tried a lot of different stuff too, everything from horseback riding to swimming, you know, and and painting and and everything we've tried. And I'm open to trying anything that she wants to try as long as she sticks with it. You know what I mean? And and she puts and she puts some effort into it. And my dad was the same way. You know, when I learned to play fiddle, you know, I'm a fiddle player. You know, I'm a singer. And and when I learned to start playing instruments, they got behind me a hundred percent. And when they found out that that's what I wanted to do, um, they were willing to go. They they would have put me on a rocket ship to the moon if that's what it would have taken. And and uh, and because of that devotion to the passion I found, now I mean. I I wouldn't be successful in what I'm doing right now if it weren't for for that early devotion at an early age. And that's a lot of time and a lot of money. And now that I am doing it with my daughter, I realize how much they really put into me, you know. And um, I'm trying my best to do it with her. Very cool. All right, Nick, please just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Well, I'm a... (laughs) kind of complicated i'm I, you know i guess first and foremost i'm a country music artist I'm a, I'm a fiddle player and a singer um you know i've played fiddle and sang for um lots of different artists in their bands um i've uh, had my own record deal with a group called the farm that had a couple of hit singles on the radio um i'm a producer i produce other people's records and then um more recently uh <laughs> kind of out of nowhere uh, i have become the host and producer of a television show called Nick's Wild Ride that airs on the Outdoor Channel. And it's become one of the top-rated shows on the network. It's an Anthony Bourdain-style travel and hunting show. So I go to a destination to hunt and explore local food and culture and history and music and all this stuff. And those are things that I do anyway. Um, I go I, I go on hunting trips every year, and every year I go and you know explore all those things. And um, somehow or another... Uh, through a producer friend of mine, I ended up doing it in a TV show, and it's been successful enough that it's taken over my life. It's it's the main focus of my life right now. So, uh, you know, I know that's a lot of different things, but if uh, so, it's difficult to to just tell you one thing that I am because as life goes on, it, I just keep adding on little titles. You know. Yeah, wow. What a difference in careers. What a fascinating journey. Uh, what were some of the challenges, Nick, of being a successful musician and then a popular reality show star while being a father? Without a doubt, the hardest thing about doing what I do is being gone. I mean, the the I'm a very driven guy. I, I mean, I feel like I'm almost a bit of a workaholic, but that drive suddenly gets very diminished when you know that you're missing out on time with your kid. Um, you know, I'm acutely aware of the fact that She's nine. I mean, the the, the the best years of her really wanting me to hang out in these, these cool discovery moments, they're they're going by very quickly. And and so being gone for two weeks in Africa, for example, filming an episode, um, suddenly doesn't isn't as much fun when you know you're missing out on stuff at home. And um you couple that with the fact that I don't see her as often as some people do anyway, because um I we live in a divorced scenario. So, um, you know, I, I, I have been divorced from her mom for most of her life. We, we, she was about two years old when that happened. That's a whole nother story, but, um, we have, you know, I'm remarried and 
and her mom has a fiance that has been in the picture almost as long. So, you know, we, I don't see her as much as I would like, and I have to make the best do with what I've got when I've got it. And, um, and, you know, that's a challenge in itself, you know, Skype calls and phone calls and all those things that, you know, you have to stay accountable and you have to stay present. And, uh, doesn't matter whether you're on the road in Africa or you're down the road. It's it's difficult when you when you have those kind of scenarios, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. And definitely one of the best things about the technology is the ability to FaceTime and, and, and Skype and all that, especially for someone like yourself who's constantly on the road a lot. Yeah, it's a lifesaver. I mean, it really is. I remember one time I was on the road um, and <laughs> there was this guy, Uncle Cracker, that was on the road with us. And, and, uh, and you know, he was Skyping. Oh, no, he was on the phone, I mean, with his with one of his kids, and he had done something wrong. I don't know what. I was just overhearing the conversation, and his mom had put him on the phone, and he says, hey, you know, you need to quit talking to your mom like that or whatever it was, and the kid kind of backtalked. He said, we need to get on Skype, I guess, if that was like, hey, you know, it's kind of like, do I need to come in there kind of thing? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's like, don't make me get on the Skype. We get on the Skype, things are going to get serious. You know what I mean? And I th- and it's just I think that's it's an amazing tool. You know, and uh, it allows me to to stay connected in ways. I mean, I don't know how guys did it back in the day. I really don't. You know, with pay phones and stuff. Yeah, we are in the future for sure here. It has definitely made things a lot easier, but the technology, it definitely comes with some downfalls. It's very addictive for kids. It creates a struggle for a lot of parents. So how do you handle the technology with your daughter? I know Fortnite and YouTube, they're big with some of my kids. Is she involved in any of that? And how do you handle the technology? We definitely take the um, the measured approach. So um, she has an iPad uh, that she can play games on and stuff, but she doesn't have unlimited access to the Internet. Uh, yet and um, that's not because we're trying to over control things it's that I live on a farm with horses um, you know and animals and there's so much to do here at her mom's house they've got a big yard with with dogs and neighbors and and I I just don't for me personally at her age I don't we and her mom feels the same way I don't see the benefit of of them burying their heads in in a device at this age when they can be out out enjoying life and being being little kids um that's going to come and it's inevitable eventually they're going to get a phone and eventually they're going to be on the internet i i personally am trying to uh we we are trying to take the approach of you know trying to hold that off as long as possible now it doesn't mean that we don't let her get online every once in a while and look at things and it doesn't mean that we don't let her google search things when she's interested in something and all those kinds of things but it's definitely measured very cool. And I noticed just from doing some research here, I mean, I noticed on your Instagram account, you never post any pictures of your daughter. Is that on purpose or do you have uh, some other place or a private account where you post pictures of her? Um, my ex-wife and I, her mom and I have, ch- have chosen very early on. Um, I've, I've never posted a picture of Lexi. Um, I've never, I, I, I talk about it, you know, but it's hard when you can't, when I've decided that I, we have intentionally not made you know a lot of people a lot of gosh i mean tons of people they 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 use their baby as a way to garner more social media attention you know what i mean and that's fine if that's the choice you choose and i'm not judging anybody but i i don't feel like it's fair to her to i mean let's say that suddenly i become a a giant megastar somewhere right like that's 
it, I don't think it's fair to her to um, to have to. Ch- she didn't choose to to be to be in that, and she has to choose to to want to be online and be in my stuff, and she has to be old enough to make the decision. Awesome, I can definitely respect that. And since you do live on a farm, and hunting is a big part of your life and your show, um, guns and gun safety are, are a topic that is always trending. So, when do you think it's a good idea to introduce guns to children, or even let them fire a gun? First off, I mean. There is no gray area when it comes to gun safety. I mean, I grew up in a scenario where, um, you know, guns were guns were something that were not taboo because just like alcohol or anything like that, like as long my dad took me out and shot a BB gun when I was probably about Lexi's age and it started there and then it would be like a twenty two and then it would be something. It was enough that I was able to be around it have it not be this this uh, mystical thing that if for some reason I was at a friend's house and saw a gun or whatever that I wouldn't wasn't going to try and go pick it up that I at least knew that it was dangerous I at least knew that how to handle it that that you know to me I'd rather have my kid be educated than have them have them know nothing about it because that's how accidents happen education helps prevent accidents period and so um you know, and so for me, it's always been there. We we have always tried to um, at least, you know, everything's locked up all, all the time, obviously. But I um, will talk to her about it. Um, she shot. A, she has a BB gun that she shoots every once in a while. She learns the same thing through her archery that you know you got to be careful with these things. And um, I could go on and on and on. But for me, I don't think it should be this uh, this thing that should be locked away and never talked about. I think it, the best way to keep kids safe, guns are inevitable. If you're going to, you, at some point in a young kid's life, they are, they're going to be at a friend's house and there, there, there's going to be a gun that's going to be talked about. It's just the way it happens in my, in my opinion. And, and I think it's something that we don't like to talk about that. Oh no, that'll never happen. I can avoid that. I can make sure that my, no, you know, it's the same way with alcohol. When your kids get older, eventually somebody's going to pull out a beer or a bottle or something like that. So for me, it's about education, you know, and I'm no expert. Don't get me wrong. I'm sitting here telling you my opinion. I am no expert. I am a, I am a flawed father and a flawed person. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, I, 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 I am not here talking to you as an expert. I'm just, uh, that's, that's how we're approaching it. And, uh, it doesn't, but it's also, it's a complete respect thing. You know, you've got to, respect them and they're locked up and they're not for you to play with they're they're it's good that you know how you know how to handle it and well, this is something we do together and that's it very well said now has she watched nick's wild ride at all and would you ever consider having her on the show to do maybe like a daddy daughter hunting expedition oh that's a great question i mean absolutely she she watches uh episodes with me and she watches uh um uh different you know cuts and edits and stuff like that with me at the house and she really enjoys it um i would take her on any trip she ever wanted to go on um when it comes to hunting um i i feel very very strongly that she has to choose whether or not she ever wants to hunt and i'm never going to force that on her uh because i think that just i mean hunting is uh you know, is an incredibly enjoyable, passionate thing for me, but it's not for everyone. And um, especially when you consider the hunting is, you know, quite literally 
um, you're taking a life in order to eat food. And, and so um, that's not something to be taken lightly. And, and uh, some kids gravitate right to it and some don't. And she hasn't asked to do it yet. And so I'll never force her to do it. But I'm certainly not – I certainly don't keep it from her. She knows what I do. She eats all the same meat that we eat, you know. She loves elk burgers. She loves elk steak. She loves venison. She loves pheasant. She loves all these things. Um, but if she never – if she never hunts, that won't bother me. Um, yeah. But I would love it if she did, you know? All right, it's time to get an important word from our sponsors and then back with more from Nick Hoffman. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Kids are not born with a politeness gene. You can parent by example, which is a good way for kids to learn about sharing, proper behavior, table manners, and so on. But there's an app that reinforces every good thing you're teaching your child. The SirDap Game Show app challenges players ages 5 to 8 to choose good behavior in fun scenarios with quirky cartoon characters that keep good humor in the mix. Check out SirDap.com. That's S-I-R-D-A-P-P.com to learn more. Yeah, very cool. And it's funny for me to hear some of the things that you mentioned there, just because, um, you know, honestly, country music wasn't popular at all where I grew up. And I didn't know anybody that played the fiddle or dreamt about being a fiddler when they grew up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So what was your inspiration to start fiddling? Who did you kind of look up to or admire when you were a kid to kind of set you on this course uh, for a successful music career? Yeah, you know, my, my grandfather and my grandmother on my dad's side, uh, were avid musicians. My grandfather was a violinist and a fiddle player. My grandma is still, she's 97 now. Uh, she still plays piano daily at her assisted living place she lives in. Uh, they they had jam sessions every Saturday night at, at their house. And it, people didn't even need an invite. They just, people showed up and they played music till all hours of the night, you know? And, and I, some of my earliest memories are sitting around and watching these guys play um, these old songs and there was fiddle players that would come over. And so I just naturally showed an interest in that. And I liked to sing and I liked to do stuff. So my grandparents um, bought me a fiddle, little tiny (laughs) thing was probably, you know, nine, 10 inches long, kind of little tiny fiddle when I was probably four, five years old. And, uh, and I, some of the old men there started showing me a few tricks and a few ways to do, play, and I showed interest in it. So they started taking me to lessons. And of course, like I told you before, my dad and my and my mom they got so far behind that it was a family thing, and they took me to lessons. And I, I just uh, I started playing a fiddle contest when I was eight or nine years old, and uh, um, you know, and so it was my grandparents, you know, that did it. And later on, an interesting story about fatherhood. Uh, you know, my, my dad, uh, when I was about 12 or so, I, all I wanted to do was play hockey. I grew up in Minnesota, and I wanted to play hockey. I wanted to quit playing fiddle and play hockey. And I, I wanted to quit. I, it was too much work. It was a lot of work. You know what I mean? When everybody else was out playing, I was uh, I was in my room practicing fiddle, and I didn't like that. So I wanted to quit. And so my dad started going to fiddle lessons with me, and he grabbed a fiddle, and he started to learn to play with me. So now all of a sudden, it wasn't just me going to fiddle lessons by myself. It became a thing that my dad and I did together. And it was his way of keeping me going. And I didn't realize until I was an adult many years later that when I finally got going under my own speed and I was enjoying it again, 
he just kind of faded away. And I don't remember him one day saying, oh, I'm not going to play anymore. He just didn't do it anymore. I mean, it just slow. I don't, I don't have any recollection of when it, ha- when it happened that he stopped. But I, I genuinely believe that if it weren't for my dad jumping in, keeping me going, keeping me inspired, I don't think that I'd be a fiddle player today. Wow. And, you know, and, it, and that's, isn't that what it's all about? It's about knowing your kid, knowing what will keep them going and trying to figure out ways also to, to inspire them, you know, without, without being intrusive and, and also without being, um, you know, pushy. Yeah, that's awesome, Nick. I love that. Um, one of the things I'm always curious about asking fathers on the show is how they discipline their children. And because of your circumstances, your daughter essentially has four parenting figures in her life. So I would imagine that, you know, you're a little lenient on the child and maybe she gets away with a little bit more. But it's certainly something that I don't know anything about. I have no experience with, but I'm sure many of the dads out there listening have some experience with it as well. So um, how do you kind of handle discipline with your daughter? That's uh, a good question. You know, the, 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 I'm really lucky. Um, we are really lucky. And I say we because, I mean, you've heard me say that before. I, I mean, it's it really is a village. I don't have her 100% of the time. You know, uh, her mom and her fiancé, they, they have her the majority of the time. And so there's definitely some difficulty of going between households, but I, I, we have made it as easy as possible because we're lucky that we have, we're amicable and we – um, are able to communicate. So we definitely co-parent as a foursome. And don't get me wrong, I, I, it, it has its its difficulties, but Lexi never sees them. So if there's a discipline disciplinary thing that, that ha- has happened in the past, like luckily Lexi's actually a really good kid. I mean, she doesn't <laughs> – She we're really lucky. So far, I keep waiting for the hammer to drop because so far there aren't – a ton of disciplinary things that has to happen with her. I mean, she's a good, good kid. But that being said, when something does come up, um, we get we get on the phone and tell each other about it. And here's what I did, and here's what I said, so that if it ever came up when when she's at our house or vice versa, there's a consistent message. And I think that's the big thing. Is that, you know, it's the same thing with you know. You know, with my parents, when you know, if you if Daddy says something, and then you go ask Mommy about the same thing, hoping to get a different answer, that never works, right? You know, you have to have that consistent message, no matter what it is. If it's no, you can't have, you know, chocolate after dinner or right before bed, or uh, there's no lying. You know, whatever the message is, it has to be consistent and has to be implemented consistently. I think, and I'm really lucky that we're able to communicate, and I think. You know, and and to be able to communicate about those things and to be able to, uh, you know, consistently implement them. I just kind of said that redundantly, but it's true. And the reason I got a little sidetracked there is because I was thinking about about it in our scenario. I think the the most important thing that I've learned about a divorced and remarried family and co-parenting is about maintaining that level of communication and trying to overcome your um your your insecurities trying to overcome your jealousies trying to overcome all these things about about your divorce about all these other things and just making it about the kid in the end it's about making the kid have the most happy life possible and it's not about 
why you got divorced or who they who they're remarrying or what that other person does or thinks my my entire goal is to been to keep, is to is been to keep the peace so yeah. that so that by keeping the peace we can communicate and by communicating we can be better for Lexi be better for our daughter and that it sounds so cliche but man it hasn't been easy to keep the peace all the time i mean I, i'll be lying if i said that there haven't been some times when when uh, you know her fiance and myself have squared off and Ben had uncomfortable scenarios. And likewise, there's been a few times where um, the two girls have, have had some uncomfortable stuff. But cooler heads prevail, and and, the, and they they prevail because you're able to communicate and, and co-parent. Because as soon as that communication breaks down, that's when, you know, everything breaks down. It makes it uncomfortable for everybody. Luckily, in our case, she has four people that love her to death. And she's just surrounded by double the love. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is so inspiring to hear you talk like this, Nick, because I can only imagine the difficulty and awkwardness that comes along with your entire situation. And right now, we are facing a fatherless problem in our country where many kids are growing up with no father or no father figure at all in the home. And to have a situation like you do with four parents who are working together to do what's best for the child, um, that's amazing. And it's definitely it definitely takes a village to raise a child. And I commend you for what you're doing. It's really impressive. Well, it's you know I, I appreciate that, but you know the com- on the com- commendation side, trust me, this isn't this isn't a something that I'm necessarily proud of. I mean, you know, the I'm proud of the fact that we can communicate and turn the other cheek. I am, but nobody wants to raise their kid in a divorced family. I I grew up in a divorced family, and I told myself that I never ever ever would would raise my kid in that scenario because I'll, there's there's things that were very painful for about about it for me when I was younger, you know, and. Um, so I told myself I'd never get to do that. And here I am, you know, and, you know, and the reasons that I'm divorced are, are as much my fault as anything. And, uh, you know, and one thing that, that I've learned through, from my child is, um, about some of my own failings. You know, I've learned more about myself through being a father than I have through any, any other experience in my life. And that's that's an interesting thing. I mean, this girl has given me the gift of not only fatherhood, but of some therapy. I mean, about literally learning to be a better person. And um, and so this is a you know the co-parenting thing is out of necessity for her, but it's definitely um, you know it's not something we we chose lightly. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's important, too, because, I mean, hey, we're all fathers. We all fail. There is no such thing as a perfect parent. There's no perfect playbook out there. We're all kind of learning on the job, in a sense. And um, one thing that's different for me, Nick, I don't know about yourself, but I could never imagine my father apologizing to me for anything. And it's definitely something that I find myself doing when I screw up. Um, I'm definitely more willing to tell my kids, hey, you know, dad got this one wrong. And I say, I'm sorry. And I apologize, you know, when I find myself making those errors. Man, I think that that's that's the hopefully the evolution of the modern father. You know, um, my dad and I ha- have recently um, had some conversations that have been really inspiring. Where I think he he realizes some of the things that he wishes maybe he had done differently uh, when he was when he was younger. And, and and it doesn't matter when when those conversations happen if they happen when you're nine or they happen when you're thirty nine. Um, it's important to, I mean, man, they mean just as much to me now as they did then, if not more, 
you know. And so I think recognizing your own faults and being being willing to communicate them with your kid, your kid only makes the, that kid better because, like like I said, you become you become your parents. You know, you you know, knowing that you can be vulnerable, sensitive, and um and admit when you're wrong. It, those are those are those are qualities that a lot of a lot of parents. I'm sorry, a lot of fathers and and men don't have. And um, you know, I guess for me with my daughter, I want to show her that 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 you should hopefully look for a guy that in the future look for a guy that or a partner anyway that that um, has those same qualities, you know. And I tell her I'm not perfect. Well, one of the things I stress on the show here, Nick, is that society has really accepted the fact that women and moms have evolved, that they are no longer viewed with having a limited role in the family or anywhere else. They're a major part of the workforce, the community, even the military and everything else. So, uh, But there's still this view of dads that he's just a guy that you know brings home the bacon and that's it. He's a dope when it comes to changing the diaper or any kind of child care. When he's out and about with the kids, they call him a babysitter. And that's just not the case with the majority of fathers. I mean, fathers have evolved as well. And dads are in, involved in every aspect of the child's upbringing, changing the diapers and all the rest of it. And um, I, I think that's the modern day father. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, I'm lucky because, again, you know, the, the scenario that we have is very different than a lot of people, you know, where um, my my ex-wife's um, fiance, you know, he is there so much with her and he's so good with her and he wants to be so involved. I mean, he treats her like he's she's his own daughter and 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 that is so fantastic because um she gets she gets to have like m- several modern father figures in her in her life that that all kind of offer her something different and actually my step parents did the same thing for me you know there there is a silver lining to divorced and remarried families in, cool. in that that you have an opportunity if it's a healthy scenario there is a silver lining that you have more people to learn from if if they're all you know healthy parents and and uh, we we all screw up and but i mean i'm i'm grateful for for him and for for what he what he does for Lexi and she loves him to death i mean absolutely adores him and uh, that's a blessing cuz it could easily be the other way you know she could have she could have you know just married some jackass, you know what I mean? And yeah. and, that, and that wouldn't have been that wouldn't be very good, you know. So I'm grateful for it every day. I really am. That's a great way to look at it, Nick. And are you all done having kids or are you have plans to have any more? Man, it's that's such a tough one because my um my wife Natalie is uh she's also a musician. Uh I give her a quick pop. She's she's got a brand new solo record out. She's a solo artist. She's also a fiddle player. Uh and her name's Natalie Murphy, and you can check her out online. Uh, you know, Spotify, iTunes, all that stuff. Go look her record up; it's awesome. And, and um, she's on the road all the time too. So right now, she's completely career driven. I'm scared to death of of um, <laughs> of the amount of time that I have away now, and the kind of father I want to be. And you know, sometimes the sometimes the failure of a father I feel like being for being gone so much that the idea of having another one right now. Um, doesn't make any sense. If if I was in another life and another career, um, I enjoy it so much. I think I'd have a brood of them, you know. But I think it would feel selfish to me to have another another kid right now. Um, I mean, we can barely handle the dogs we have, let alone 
let alone have another kid. You know what I mean? And uh, and so I I do. De- That's a tough question. The answer is I don't know. Probably not, but not because we wouldn't like it. You know what I mean? It's because it's a, on a responsibility level. It's just not the right thing to do right now. Yeah, totally understand that. All right, Nick, um, you've had so much success in a few different careers. What's next for you? What kind of goals or plans do you have for the future? Well, I've got a brand new solo record that I actually go into the studio uh, this weekend to start recording um, that I'm really excited about. I've uh, I've been working on a new solo record for several years. It's finally time to get it finished up. Um, so that's that's the big thing on my on my horizon right now. Um, I'm I'm just it's time for new music. Um, after the farm, I, I got so, um, focused on the television show. And also to be honest, I was a little burnt out. I I needed a break to kind of recollect myself musically and man, I'm ready. I I can't wait for everybody to hear this new music. So that'll be coming up soon. And you, you know, all the social media and all the web, you know, nickhoffman.com, you can check out all that stuff and it'll, it'll keep you updated on that. And, um, but so there's that, but really in the short term, I go in the studio this weekend, and then next week, Lexi and I are going on a daddy-daughter spring break trip, and I can't wait. Very cool, and I am going to drop the links for you as well as your wife in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners can just tap the links, find out more about you guys. Last thing I want to hit you with here, Nick, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? <laughs> I, You know, honestly, I think the the – the, one of the number one things is I love that everyone, when, you're, when your wife is pregnant with a, with a baby, everybody tells you about, oh, my gosh, this is going to be the greatest thing ever, and it's going to change your life. Well, it definitely changes your life, and it is the greatest thing ever. But what nobody ever seems to talk about is how fucking hard it is. I mean, it's really, really, really hard, and it is like – seal seal training must be i mean you're tired and you're crabby and you're you're feeling emotions you've never felt before and you're confused and you're exhausted and and it doesn't stop it it just keeps it just keeps going and going and going it's really 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 hard and dads have a hard time with it early on because they 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 can't mothers connect with babies in a way that that fathers don't early it takes a little while for a dad to really really connect with these kids they they almost have to be able to interact with them in different ways you know you love your kid right off the bat don't get me wrong but i say to fathers in my opinion take don't don't get discouraged when it's not what you thought it was going to be right off the bat give it time and the and and be patient because because it becomes the great, it blossoms into the greatest flower of all time. And, but I, you know, I had an idea in my head of what I thought it was going to be like, and it was going to be this, this, uh, you know, fireworks, joyous thing. And man, it wasn't, it was just really hard. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I loved it. I loved every minute of it, but it was difficult. And, uh, um, but now this thing that, that, you know, it just gets better and better and better. It does. Well said. I love the advice. This has been a lot of fun for me. I got to say you are a first class father and Nick Hoffman. Thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on first class fatherhood. Oh man, I'm glad to be here. And, uh, um, I disagree 
I think we're all just squirrels trying to get a nut, my friend. Nobody. I'm certainly not a first-class father, but I love being a father. I can tell you that. <laughs> all right, I'll be back with a couple of closing thoughts in just a second here. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Nick Hoffman for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. And then lock it in. A lot of action still coming your way tomorrow on the show. The star of Little People, Big World, Matt Roloff, will be here. Wednesday, we got Vincent Rocco Vargas stopping by. And we're going to finish it off with a Frogman Friday with Jeff Nichols, former Navy SEAL. So keep it locked in here. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Your half-truths and